So welcome to the Fadjication podcast. As this is, uh, we've been on a hiatus for a while, there's a lot of planning's been going on. I thought it was a good chance to come back and answer a few questions that people have been asking me and, you know, really to explain what's happening, why has there been a big gap and uh, what have I got planned for the new season. So obviously, it's been a while, a lot of has been going on, moved house, uh, lots of stuff business-wise. And, uh, you know, the main reason, I think, is because I've just been a bit shit. And uh, this is why I wanted to talk about today's topic, which is getting stuff done. And I'll tell you a quick story, which kind of made me realise why I need to get back into this again. And it's really, it takes me back to uh, when I was about, let me think, about 14 and my first school disco. And uh, I was so excited, you can imagine. Uh, I've been listening to uh, The Fresh Prince, Boom Shake the Room. Bizarre Inc., all these other classics. And uh, it was a big deal. It was going to be my first school disco. Uh, apparently some of the girls from my primary school were going to be there. I wanted to look sharp. I was wearing probably clothes far too big for me. Classic kind of early 90s look. And um, yeah, like I said, big deal. Got really excited, uh, dressed up, tried to look my best, uh, rather embarrassingly. Anyway, got to the disco and, you know, the music's going. You stood in the group with your friends. On one side of the school hall, on the other side, there's a group of girls. And in the middle, there are kind of teachers making sure that we're keeping apart and we're being respectful and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I spent nearly the entire disco looking at the girls I wanted to talk to, kind of swaying side to side while trying to avoid my mates just giving me dead arms and mucking about. And... I don't know what I was thinking, but I was basically trying to wait for that moment where I could kind of go and dance to the cool song that I'd been listening to and getting ready for. And I spent all my time waiting, going, is this the song? No, 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 I'll wait a bit longer. Okay, what about this one? No, no, I'll wait a little bit longer. And as you can imagine, what happened was the song never came on, the disco ended, and it was time to go home, and I hadn't done anything. I'd barely talked to any of these girls, I hadn't danced with them, the prospect of getting my first kiss was, you know, just evaporated and kind of like a really sort of rubbish Cinderella. It was time to go home. And it stayed with me of this thing of, you know, I don't know quite what I was waiting for because by not taking part, I guaranteed my failure. You know, if I don't join in and I don't dance and I don't have fun, nobody's going to want to dance with me. I'm never going to meet anyone. So it's never going to happen. And so the this was the lesson I learned, you know, if I don't take part, I guarantee failure. So it's better to take part and have fun and try because you're more likely to, you know, be successful. And the reason why this is important is years later, uh, when I met my wife, I happened to be in a club Christmas Eve. Uh, I was wandering around and I saw her there and I didn't delay. I didn't wait to kind of for the perfect moment or to like, Maybe I'll get another drink and build up confidence or whatever it was. 
I kind of rather foolishly, you know, not foolishly, but I probably looked ridiculous, but I went over and started talking to her and dancing and, and having a nice time. And it's kind of that courage that I never had, I totally had this time and it was absolutely worth it. We've been together almost 20 years, got a wonderful family and it kind of made me realise that you've got to get on with it and you can't spend your time watching other people having fun and expecting you to reap the benefits of that. And this, you know, brings me on to why I've kind of relaunching Thadjication with a lot more focus. And I wanted to share with you, I've got a lot planned for the next few weeks. I'm going to commit to this fully. Um, and this is going to be a long-term project. It's something I really want to build. And I want to build it um, by helping you because I get so much pleasure and enjoyment when I can do that. And I can, you know, put to use my years of experience and of making mistakes. And uh, I can share those with you and and trying to help you through it. And, you know, so you don't have to make the same mistakes as me. So with that in mind, I wanted this first episode back to be about how to get stuff done. And this was, you know, this came from a question from a friend who, you know, it's it's this time of, well, as recording, we're in the new year kind of phase and people, are, that's always on people's minds. And, um, you know, I, I've mixed feelings about New Year's resolutions. I think that really, you know, if you want to change, you just change. You don't need to wait to the new year to do it. And when you change, it's got to be a change that is kind of accepted as being fairly permanent. You know, I think if you look at crash diets and stuff, you know, it's it's easy to trick the body into kind of losing weight in a month. Um, but as we all know, when we slip back into bad habits, the weight often comes back. And that's because we don't change our lifestyle and how we behave and, and our eating habits. And I think if you're going to get stuff done, you've probably got to, you know, well, you, you haven't probably, you've definitely got to commit to changing things and actually adopting a new way of working, a new way of behaving and forming those new habits to give yourself a chance of success. So when he asked me, you know, what are the things that I feel that I've done that have really helped me in becoming more successful. Um, this is what I told him. And so I wanted to share with you kind of those tips and things which I felt were useful because, like I said, if you're getting going again or you're like me and you want to kind of um, really commit to something and actually stay with it, these are the things that have helped me, um, certainly professionally, kind of be successful. And so I'm going to share them. So first of all, I will say you have to congratulate yourself for starting because wanting to improve is the hardest bit um, because it's so easy to dream about it and then lose focus and then change our mind. Uh, I think Joe Rogan calls it the inner bitch where you're kind of like, well, we can exercise tomorrow or we can start that another day or you, you can take it easy. You don't want to injure yourself. It's this mentality um, that we all have to sort of take the easy approach and because of that, it's very easy to make excuses and talk ourselves into accepting that we should start another time or maybe tomorrow, or another day or next week or next month or a new year and whenever. So if you're genuinely committed to starting and improving what you're doing, I'm tremendously proud of you and very excited for you because <clears throat> this is going to get very satisfying. So the first bit is to congratulate yourself for starting because like I said, this is the tough bit. You also have to accept that there will be a lot of setbacks and a lot of failure. Um, there is a phrase which I think I read, I think it might have been Will Smith, it probably wasn't, but he said, if you're not failing, you're not trying. And I know I, I completely agree with that, you know, because by its very nature, if you try 
to do new things, you're going to fail at them. Humans learn slowly through failure. This is anything from language to cooking to playing an instrument. to All of it takes a lot of time. And along the way, there are a lot of mistakes to be made, but the mistakes are the teaching points. So that, you know, you could reframe them as they're not mistakes, they're teaching points. So we need to accept that there will be lots of teaching points as you do this and you'll need to sort of adjust as you go, but that's fine. Like I said, if you're comfortable with that and you make peace with it early on, it makes sticking at it much easier because, you know, if you fall off the wagon or you kind of have a setback, that's okay. You just go, look, today it wasn't going to happen. That's fine. I'll start again tomorrow. And that kind of slow and steady kind of consistency is 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 what underlines everything and is the key to success when you're doing this. It's important to reward yourself. So when you do do something good or you achieve a goal you set or you've actually made a you know significant progress, really take time to appreciate that and celebrate it. Um, if we have rewards helping motivate us, that's massively, you know, really, really helps. But also it's very tempting to kind of move on and get the big thing done and what's next on the list. And one of my biggest general regrets about me and my personality is that I'm very quick to move on to the next thing. And the highlights just become something you go, oh yeah. And you look back on it and you're like, well, that was actually quite good. But you, in the moment I chose to ignore it, which is stupid. So my other point is make sure that you take time to reward yourself and celebrate these things because if you can do this, you're one of the very few because so many people fail. So that's massively important. It's also important to remember that habits take on average between three to four weeks to really form. And that's like consistently every day doing something. Um, it will take you a long time to sort of get into that. So it's important to be realistic about your expectations of what this will take and what it will look like. But if you can be consistent and you can aim to kind of, even if it's just doing the same thing every day for three weeks, you'll be amazed at how eventually that will really kick in. And this can be anything from doing exercise, you know, taking a walk, um, running a 5K, you know, cutting sugar out of your diet. We, there's going to be a tough bit in the beginning, but once you get used to that, you'll be amazed at how actually you, you quickly you adjust. And after three weeks... Um, your kind of new habits will be built in. So that's important to kind of manage expectations. A couple of techniques which I've found helpful. Um, there is the five-second technique. I can't remember, this lady has written a book on it, but what it revolves around effectively is whenever you want to do something, or more realistically, you want to do something you shouldn't or you don't want to do something, you think about it and you count down from five. So you go five, four, three, two, one, make a decision. And the counting down forces your brain to understand that a decision has got to be made. And the five second delay allows you to weigh up, do you really want this biscuit? Do you really want to lie in or should you get up and do stuff? And that thing that allows you to remember like why you're doing it. And then you, at the end of the five seconds, you can go, okay, I have to make a decision. And that decision will be to carry on with what I'm doing and not be lazy. And this very simple technique is great, like I said, for kind of, if you want that biscuit and you do this and you decide, you know what, no, I shouldn't have it, that's fine. To add to that, I would say set a timer for 10 minutes. If you feel that after 10 minutes that, yeah, I really want that biscuit, have it. We don't want these kind of things we used to enjoy becoming a problem 
So it's not it's okay to give in to things like biscuits and maybe laying it lying in or maybe not exercising today. That's okay. Um, we don't want this to become like oppressive. And the final thing I'll tell you a story about Jerry Seinfeld, which is when he was starting out as a comedian, he wanted to get better at writing. And obviously, if you get better at writing, your comedy improves. Um, but the key is the writing. But writing is hard, particularly, you know, if you're a comedian who's kind of, you know, always aware of what's going on and you struggle to concentrate, um, it can really affect your career because you're not putting in the hours writing, therefore you're not developing. Because if you're not writing, you haven't got new jokes to test out and you can't test out new jokes and find out what works and therefore your stand-up doesn't improve and it all comes back to the writing. So what he said he did was he would set aside an hour a day to write. And if he completed that hour successfully, he would mark a red cross on his calendar. And every day he did it, he would put a red mark. And he said, what was funny was it got to about two weeks in and he could see all those red crosses on the calendar. And it got to the stage where he didn't want to break the chain and not be able to put a red cross in that day. So he did the writing for an hour to be able to do that. So the concept of not breaking the chain took over from actually getting the writing done and that became his motivation. And it's amazing how it feeds itself because the more days that you've gone without breaking the chain, the more pressure you're under to keep up that consistency. So this technique of setting yourself a goal and, and visually marking it on a calendar and having that camera in that calendar somewhere prominent is a really good sort of powerful motivator. So I want to tell you about that because that's something I adopt as well. And it, you'd be amazed at kind of like the pressure to not break the chain it can really kind of keep you focused and drag you out of a hole when you really don't want to do what you know you need to do. So with all these things, um, we need to start small. Um, this is a step-by-step -step approach. And when we set goals, it's good to kind of set goals that are going to exciting, you know, be exciting for us and are perhaps lofty. But the trouble with those goals, are they, they can be intimidating and they can be like, how am I ever... Not only am I ever going to get close to achieving that, but you can't really see your progress. You know, if you're looking to set a massive goal or you're looking, you know, say, grow your following on online, the problem it's you're going to come up against is the goal always seems so far away and you're going to end up looking at that goal, comparing other people to you and seeing how far along they are. And that kind of compare and despair is disheartening and it's going to kill, you know, kill your enthusiasm. So it's so important to kind of ignore everyone else and really focus on like, what are you doing in the moment? And know that if I put the approach in today and I'm slow and steady, I'm going to make that progress over time. And then I can step back and look back at how far I've come and be proud of myself. An example of this approach is there's an American um, college coach called Nick Saban and he has this thing called the process and what he does is he, when he coaches his players he doesn't think about winning the league title at the end of the season he doesn't even think about winning the match he breaks everything down to the individual play and it starts with training so in the training sessions with American football each play is probably about 10 to 15 seconds and it's quite kind of broken up but within each phase of play, all the players have a role to do. And what he'll say to them is like, look, I just want you to give me 100% for the next play. Don't worry about whatever comes after that. Don't worry about what came before it. Just focus on that play 
and focus on doing it to the absolute best of your ability. And when he puts it to his players and says, can you give that to me? They all can say yes, because we can all, you know, commit for a very, very short period of time to focus in the moment of what we're doing. But what happens is if you're doing your training, and if you look at an average session, let's say an average session is like you're giving on average 65% effort and you're doing well, it's a good session. If you're trying to give 100% with every play, that 65% is going to end up more like an 80%. Because we can't be perfect every time, but we can certainly try harder. So if therefore your kind of performance in training is improving because you're breaking it down in a very, very step-by-step process, which means the training sessions overall are better. You apply this to a match. If you're giving 100% for every play, there's a good chance that you're going to be doing better than the opposition. And if you're doing better than the opposition on every play, you're probably going to win more points. Now, if you're winning more points in the opposition, you're probably going to win the game. And overall, if we extrapolate this out, if you're winning more games, you're going to win the league. But it all starts with the next play. Only focus on the next play. Don't get distracted by the result. Don't look at the scoreboard. Just keep your focus on the next play. And I tried to illustrate this with my son and he had his sports day. And I said, look, we can all dream about where we want to end up at the end of the day. But all you can affect in that moment is the event you're taking part in. So when you're doing the long jump, there's no point thinking about, oh, I've got high jump next because you're not taking part in that yet. Or I've just finished a 100 meter sprint and worrying about that. The key is to focus and give 100% to the event that you are taking part in at the moment. And if you do that each time as you continue throughout the day, you will do far better than constantly looking at your totals against someone else's and kind of thinking about, well, I'm really good at high jump and that's coming up, so I'll do well at that. And it doesn't matter. You're getting distracted. You're getting in your own head. And we need to think about that when we're doing this. We need to think about if I'm going to focus and write for an hour or I'm going to exercise for 20 minutes, whatever our sort of goal is or whatever activity we're doing that we want to work on, whatever we want to get done, Take this approach. Focus on doing that next task, however small, with 100% effort. The next email you send, the next social post you make, the next phone call you make, the next set of press-ups that you do, the next chapter you read, the next paragraph you write. Focus on giving your 100% attention to that and then you forget it. And then at the end of the time that you've been working on towards this task, you will see how it's so much better than what you would have done normally. And I promise you, if you take this step-by-step approach, it's so easy to apply, it's so easy to do well, and it's so effective. So that would be one of the things I'd want to focus on. Go step-by-step, follow the process, and I promise you, you'll be as successful as Nick Saban. When it comes to temptations, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what do I want versus what do I need? And knowing what you need versus what you want is going to be crucial because it's very, very tempting to say, well, I want this, so I'm going to get it versus, no, actually, I really need this, so I'm going to get it. And with all these things, you need to have a clear focus on doing things and buying things and being involved in things and spending time with people who are going to have a big impact on you and your business. So, It's boring, but sometimes you go, well, what I would like 
What I want is a new camera, new lights, new microphone, new chair, and like a new little recording studio for my podcast. But actually, to do my podcast, what I need is just a mic plugged into my laptop, like I'm doing now. So I can save time and money buying all this equipment and actually focus on what I actually need to do the job and spend more time improving my quality of communication and how I do it, that's going to make a difference in me and my business. And this phrase is called eating the frog. And it's the one thing, if if you plan out what you want to do in a day, you write down what is the one thing that if you did only that in the day, you would still be proud of your progress in the day. And that's called eating the frog. And so it's so important to become comfortable with eating the frog and to know what that frog is. So if you can identify the one horrible task, which is probably admin related, make sure you get it done. Eat the frog and then be proud you've eaten the frog afterwards because it's eating those frogs, as the book says, they're the things that move the needle in your business and actually move you forward. It's far more tempting to avoid having to do that and make yourself you know, busy with busy work when actually we all know kind of what we need to do versus, you know, what we would like to do. And knowing that difference and asking yourself that question and being honest with your answer is going to really make a difference in when it comes to kind of planning and prioritizing what you do. So when it comes to planning, I've always found that the biggest thing that would ruin any plan that I wanted to do was thinking time. Nothing is worse than kind of deciding, okay, right, I'm going to work now. What do I need to work on? Because you waste time thinking about first, what do I need to do? Then I need to weigh up what's important. What what do I want to do versus what do I need to do? I'm always vulnerable to actually being tempted away and doing sort of busy work. Then I've got to get all the information and resources I need to do that work. And before I've known it, I've wasted 15 minutes of, say, that hour before I you know, have even started working. So for me, one of the big things that has really, really helped me is to plan my day the night before. I'll sit down and I'll get, a, you know, I have it on a page in Notion and I will basically break down the day in hour long chunks from say, I think normally it's from five or six in the morning all the way through to nine at night. And I will block in each hour a task to do. And when I go through those tasks, I need to prioritise which are the most important. So as an example, and we'll talk about goal setting a little bit later, but if you're doing goal setting, this is where you would kind of be putting in the relevant tasks that need to be done in order to achieve those goals. But if not, you're going to have the bit where you go, okay, I've got to eat the frog. Where's that going to go in the day? What meetings do I have? Where are they going to go in the day? What other kind of commitments do I have, like family time? So school runs, dinners, homework, they're going to go in the day. Am I going to do exercise? Where's that going to go in the day? So once I've done all of this, I'm then going to work out like what time are they going to come? What is the most important thing? What time am I going to do it? So I always have, say, an hour for admin. I hate admin. Admin is phoning people, emailing people, following up, chasing invoices, all that kind of stuff. I hate that, but I always kind of have an hour for admin every morning. Because, look, you know, these are the things which keep everything ticking over. So as much as I hate doing them, I'm proud that I have done them. So this would always be how I would plan up my day. So as long as I've made time for exercise, my family, my admin, my frog, 
and then the tasks in my business, I know that my day is going to be fairly productive. And sometimes I'm able to say, no, no, I'm only meant to do one or two tasks today because they're going to take me a long time, but they are very important. So in my list, you might see the same thing repeated. So this might be like um, create a landing page for a course I want to do. Because I know that a landing page, you've got to design it, write the copy, find the images, get it all built. It takes time. So like throughout the day, I'm going to keep coming back to that task to make sure I don't get distracted. And what this does, and I I check this list throughout the day because I need to remind myself of what I'm getting done and what I need to do. Because quite often, you know, I can easily get thrown off. Someone will phone me up. Um, I'll have to do something which I didn't realise. I'll get interrupted in some way. And then you lose focus. So the analogy I like to use, it's like a bowling ball. When you go to a bowling alley, they put the little things up at the side to sort of keep the ball heading down to the pins. I lack the discipline to bowl the ball straight down the middle without any assistance. If I don't have those walls up, I'm going to go into the gutter, lose focus and achieve nothing. So what this does, by constantly checking in, it keeps me, it's like me bouncing off on those walls. So I'm just like bang, bang, bang. And I keep focused and I bounce down the lane and I get done what I need to do. So that comes from relentlessly checking in on myself, seeing what I'm doing and from that plan that I've already made the day before. So it's really that simple. The day before, the night before, quite often, I will look over my list um, and I'll create a new one. And there, if there are things that need to be carried over, they'll be carried over. But I actually find that moment of planning really quite enjoyable because it gets me kind of, I can go to bed clear on what I need to do tomorrow. Um and I know that I'm not wasting any time and my thinking time has been done when it's quiet and there are no distractions. So my day is fairly optimised and fairly efficient. So that's always a great thing to do. Plan it the night before, have a daily planner and then block in everything so you take it all seriously and you make time for things that matter like family, like exercise, like development. You might want to kind of be learning a course. So every day if you spend an hour reading books or doing some, you know, watching course videos. All of this is you're making time for your development and it doesn't dominate the day, but like cumulatively these, these, all these kind of marginal gains really build up over time. When it comes to actually doing the work, whatever you're doing, it's very important to create an environment that is built for focus. So for me personally, I love to get up early and work because no one is up And it feels as if I'm sort of getting a head start on the world. I know you'll see lots of kind of gurus online who all get up at four o'clock in the morning and just crush it and all this kind of stuff. I'm not insane like that. I I tried doing it and I I get burnt out very quick because I get so tired. So I will get up at five and work, but I will also have an hour power nap in the afternoon to catch up on that early start. But when I'm working... Um, The reason why I like doing that is because there are no distractions. So no one is up. Um, I just sit there and it's so quiet and I don't watch TV, I don't have music and I just work and I write and I get so much done. And in actual fact, it feels so good to get that hour or two of work done ahead of everything else. The whole day becomes much more relaxed because of it. If that's not possible because you're not crazy like me and you want to just say, I want to spend an hour in the afternoon, say two till three, 
you have to set yourself up to be more successful. So the ways to do that are this. So when you go to the environment, eliminate all distractions. Almost think of it a bit like an exam where you turn your phone off or you turn the internet off and you just gather all the resources you need to take part in that writing or that distraction. So any books you need, any articles you need, have it all available, but try to keep your phone out of the room because all those pings and notifications, they're designed to distract us. And it's very, very easy to sort of get an alert, check WhatsApp. Oh, what's that? Oh, I've had a message on Instagram and you're down a rabbit hole and you've lost like 20 minutes and it's so frustrating. So if you can leave your phone outside, turn all notifications off um, and maybe even find that you stick to the same time every day. So your body kind of gets used to this kind of routine. The other part of eliminating distractions is to tell other people around you that you're working and you don't want to be bothered. You don't have to be you know, rude about it, but I know that being distracted is one of the things I hate most. Um, sorry, not distracted, interrupted, because that leads to distraction. And actually, when you are interrupted, it can take a while to bring that focus back to your work. I've heard some people say it takes 20 minutes, other people say it takes four minutes. But the point being is, if you're deep in concentration doing something, and someone comes in to ask you, do you want a cup of tea? I know they're well-meaning, but it's really irritating. So tell other people, I'm going to be busy for an hour please don't bother me. If anyone calls me, just take a message and tell them I'll call them back. And this way, you know you're going to create that environment where there's no distractions. The other thing in there is, even if you're in a quiet room, you can't hide from your brain. And quite often we have thoughts about things we need to do once we've finished. So, you know, we need to pick up shopping or I need to order that or I need to email that person. These are quite normal, but they're irritating thoughts that can, you know, take us off message. So what we want to do is take a piece of paper and a pen and every time a thought enters your head, write it down and then push it to one side. Because now when it comes back into your head again, you can dismiss it with confidence knowing, well, I'm not going to forget it because I've written it down. And that technique is very good at quietening the mind of all those kind of side thoughts and daydreaming thoughts. So if you implement that, what this does cumulatively, it means that you're setting yourself up for success because you're focused when you go in. No one's going to interrupt you, not even yourself. And then you're going to stand a better chance of actually getting a lot more done. When it comes to doing that, one of the other things that I like to talk about is your physicality and how you feel matters. So when you do these things, it's really worth paying attention to how we are as people. So if you are hungry, that's going to be a distraction. So you want to have made sure you've had something to eat. If you have eaten too much, you're going to get sleepy. If you've had something sugary or you've had a coffee, at some point there's going to come a crash. So you want to make sure you time it so that the sugar and the caffeine is kicking in to give you the energy to go through that hour. Same as with water. You know, if you're dehydrated, I think it's if you're dehydrated by 2%, it can affect your ability to concentrate by a 10 to 20%, which sounds crazy. But I know from my coaching days, the biggest problem with players is when they're, you know, exerting themselves on the field, they sweat a lot, they get dehydrated. And the first thing that goes is their mind. They can't concentrate, they switch off, their you know, positional sense goes, they, they're not observing the match, then their technique goes. And then they just have to be substituted. So it's the same thing here. We want to be hydrated, 
but not too much that we need to keep going to the toilet. But it's definitely something to be aware of. So maybe an espresso and a glass of hot water is a good thing to consider just before you go in. All of this is going to give you energy. You don't want to peak. Like I said, you don't want to have caffeine or sugar highs because there will inevitably be a crash. And then you're going to look at like kind of how well slept you are because if you are tired because you've been up early and you're trying to focus, you're just going to switch off. A quiet room, if it's too warm and you're feeling a bit sleepy, you'll get drowsy really quick. So being aware of your physical state and making sure that you are fed and watered and rested and focused, it makes a huge difference to how you can perform And if you think a bit like an athlete and take it seriously, you're going to put in a much better performance when you're much better prepared. After you've done all of this, at the end of the day, it's so important to reflect on the day, to try and learn about yourself and refine what you did so that you can improve for the following day. We, We kind of want to build on this so that we're continually improving on what worked and what didn't. So you need to ask yourself, what did I get done? Did I tick everything off my list? Was my list sort of overly, you know, easy to achieve or was it unrealistic because I had too much on it? It's going to be important to sort of note your progress and note your ability to set goals for yourself because if you can't do that, um, you're going to disappoint yourself regularly because you're going to set loads of unrealistic goals. You aren't going to be able to achieve them and then you're going to get upset by failing in your eyes. So we don't want that at all. You want to work out, you know, what got done, what didn't, what worked and what didn't work. And by doing this, we're able to evaluate sort of types of goals that we're setting, the realistic nature of those goals, how important they are, how easy they are to achieve. And maybe that you need more support to do them, because like I said, with the landing page example earlier, it takes a lot of time. You know, and if you need to build a landing page, but you need a copywriter to write the copy, you need a designer to give you the branding, you need a photographer to supply you with the images, um, and you need some sort of SEO expert to optimize it. There are other things that are going to be, you know, things you can't control. It will take such a long time. So you might want to break down the task into something more realistic. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's time to reflect and plan for the following day. And again, reward yourself if you've done stuff. Be proud of what you've managed to achieve. I remember I was signed up to an email mastermind called the Single Malt Mastermind. And it was fantastic for accountability because every week you had to email the coach and you would tell him, okay, what did you get done this week? What are you going to do next week? Um, Anything else you want to talk about? And they were the three questions he would ask. And quite often he'd read and reply. But what was really great was every week I was sending in what I had done, what I wanted to do. And I was able to reflect on kind of, well, last week you said you wanted to achieve this. Did you do it or not? And why not? And that gave me this thing of like, okay, am I being unrealistic? Am I being inefficient? And also I had like a log of weekly updates just tracking I got all this done. I met with all these people. I arranged all these meetings. I finished all these projects. I got paid all this. And actually going back and revisiting that was really powerful. So logging down what you do, revisiting your progress, rewarding yourself for doing well is enormous because that's when you begin to see how well you've done. That's when you get to see the progress and that's going to give you the fuel to keep going. So that is how I would talk about kind of setting yourself up, how to behave and think 
and react. But I wanted to finish this off with goal setting because that's the big thing for a lot of people. We want to set goals. We want to achieve goals. And so how do we do that? So for me, this is the easiest way to set and achieve goals. Now, as a rule, all of the goals that you set yourself, um, they have to be realistic. So setting SMART goals, which is specific, measurable, uh, accurate, realistic, and then time frame. I could be wrong, but the point being is um, the goal has to be something which is going to be realistically achievable, but is going to be really helpful to you. So you don't want to set anything too lofty because it's not going to be possible So when we set those goals, we want to make sure that they're at a level which is not too easy, not too difficult. And we want to typically set them over 90 days. Um, This is a good length of time to make a difference. It's uh, obviously a quarter and it's broken down into three months. And from a maths point of view, it's quite nice to sort of chunk down. But it also means that, you know, if we're focused, we can get a lot done in that time. We can sort of do it four times a year. We can, you know, and all of this. So I'd say start with 90 days. And start with one to three goals that you want to achieve over those 90 days. And what you're going to do is I want you to chunk the tasks into little smaller gaps. Like we talked with the process, we want to break it down into incremental amounts that we can focus on and deliver. So the first thing to do is to take that 90-day goal and break it into three 30-day milestones. So that from day one to day 30, you're going to want to have hit a milestone by day 30, a second milestone by day 60, and the final milestone at day 90. Now, by doing that, we can look at what our goal is and we can reverse engineer the steps backwards over 12 weeks, over these 90 days, to see where we are now. And if you begin to outline all the things you need to achieve and do in between starting and achieving the goal, you'll be able to chunk them down into thirds. We are going to go, okay, By a third of the way through, I should have achieved this. By two thirds of the way through, I should have achieved that. And by 90 days, I should be finished. So by doing this, we're beginning to build a timeline of stuff that's going to need to get done. And we're beginning to break down the project into achievable chunks, um, which make it much more manageable. So from that 30-day milestone, we're going to give four weeks to each of those, and we're going to break down into weekly goals. So Every four weeks, we'll hit our milestone of about 30 days. And therefore, every week, we're going to need a goal that we hit. So we hit four goals in a month. So that's the 12 goals over the, you know, for the 12 weeks over the 90 days. So what we're doing now is we're looking at, okay, from when we start to the first milestone, what are the four weekly goals that I need to hit in between those two dates? And then we continue to do this for the second 30 days and the final 30 days. So we're getting more granular as we go, more specific in what's required. And we're breaking down these weekly goals. So we know that every week at the end of the week, I need to achieve this and be in this position. Because if I do that, then I will hit my 30-day milestone. And if I've hit my 30-day milestone, I'm more likely to hit my 60-day milestone. And therefore, I will achieve my 90-day goal because I'm consistently hitting these goals and milestones. In order to hit those weekly goals, we need to chunk it down for the final time into daily tasks. So with each of those weekly goals, we're going to break them into seven daily tasks that need to be done in order to hit that goal. So in total, you're going to have about 28 to 30 daily tasks 
in between each of those big milestones. And by doing this, we can take a kind of a project which started at 90, went to 30, you know, three 30-day sections, into 12 weekly goals, into, you know, whatever it is, 144 daily tasks or whatever it would be. Oh, sorry, it's 90 daily tasks, what we're talking about, 90 daily tasks. Now, the reason being is it's the principle of its accessibility. If my weekly goal was, for example, um, set up, let's say, uh, let's say, build a website homepage, like design one page on a website in a week. Okay. And over that month, it was to finish the website. So I'm going to go, well, I'm going to, if I do one page a week, and then at the end of the 30 days, I've done a four page website. I'm happy with that. So let's go, right. So my weekly goal is to design the homepage. How can I break that down? Well, the first thing is going to be, right, well, I'm going to wireframe the, the, the homepage. Then I'm going to write the copy. That's the second goal. The third is I'm going to source the images. The fourth is I'm going to design all the look and feel. The fifth is I'm going to start building it in the software. So then I'm going to go back and I'm going to go. So like, so the fifth is I'm going to apply the branding. The sixth is I'm going to apply all the copy. And the seventh is I'm going to apply all the imagery. So by the end of that week, I've kind of prepared everything and applied it. And I've built that home page exactly how I want. But when you think about it, if your task for the day is to, um, you know, put in the copy that has been written by you or someone else, that won't take long. But it's a good thing that's moving you towards that goal. You've just broken it down. Same way if you were cooking a recipe, you don't just sort of, you know, to get to the finish of a roast chicken dinner, there's a lot of work in between. But actually peeling and chopping carrots isn't hard and it fills within a kind of logical sequence of preparing the roast. Or if you were, say, building a Lego project over 90 days and you had 90 pages of instructions every day, you just add a couple more bricks and move on. So this is the same approach we want to take here. So like I said, to recap on all of this, we start with 90 days. We break it down into three 30-day milestones. In between those milestones, we want to get four weekly goals. And in between each goal, we want to get seven daily tasks. And then by the end of it, We'll have 90 daily tasks that we have to do every day. And then when those are your tasks, when you're planning your, your day the night before, you write down the task you have to do that day and fit it into your schedule. And then you can have the peace of mind of saying, well, if I focus on doing that task to the best of my ability and I just focus on only that, I know that when all these 90 days are added up together, I will have achieved my goal. And that's how you combine goal setting with getting stuff done and that's how I do it that's how I work it's been really helpful for me and like I said the 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 way it works is to be organized and thoughtful and to not be too tough on yourself it's so important that we kind of if it takes you a little bit longer it's not a problem as I said in the beginning the important thing is you're trying to improve what you do you're not just sort of giving in and kind of dreaming remember you don't want to be like me at the school disco watching, waiting, swaying from side to side, waiting for the cool song to come on. Don't be me. Jump in, try your best, try out your best moves, try a few chat-up lines. Yeah, you're going to fail, but you know what? The more you try, the more lucky you're going to get. And if nothing else, you're going to have a great time doing it. So this is how you do it. 
Best of luck with everything. If you have any questions, I'm always available. You can email me, thad at thadducation.com. I would always encourage you to join the Facebook group, sign up to the newsletter, and uh, share this podcast if you found it useful. Best of luck. Thank you.